Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Live to Walk Again podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Dixon, uh, here today via Zoom with Ricardo Benavides. Ricardo, how you doing, man? Welcome to, thanks for coming on. Welcome to the show. Yeah, no problem. It's great. It's great that we can get together like this, Jer. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing a, we're, we're doing a special um, best of episode again because of schedule, like, had a couple cancellations this week due to, to due to illness and uh you know i know brandon's gone somewhere watching children play sports and uh you know so we we were able to we were able to come together on this but i thought we've been talking about doing this episode for a while with uh jorge sierra who was on around this time last year i think the beginning of february um yep and yeah he, he was you know, I've been. I've, I I want to get him back on the podcast. Actually, I, I reached out to him again, and we're gonna we're gonna hopefully set that up here soon. But I just thought his message was so powerful and inspiring that I wanted to get it back out there for anybody who might not have heard it. And I, had you heard it already, or I know you've listened to it now, but had you heard it when? No, I know I didn't hear. I didn't hear it, but. Um... You know, coming from the perspective of somebody who's, uh, you know, uh, uh, paraplegic and then, you know, listening to your input on it as a quadriplegic, I think the thing, you know, Jeremy, that, I, that I'm always inspired about by your interviews with these people is the tenacity that people have to adapt and change. And his message was pretty powerful, is that if you don't do that, if you don't um, expand your horizons and learn, um, you or challenge yourself to do something different, um, you know, that, um, that you're not really living life, you know, and his right. message is leaving a legacy, um, you know, of who he is, who he was, and what he did. And I think that was really pretty powerful. And it's not to leave a legacy for the world to know, but for your family, you know, to let right. your family know, to inspire you to do better, or your family members to do better. Yeah, you know, and I, there was one, there was a couple things he mentioned that really stuck out to me listening back to it. He talked about having pressure sores and being stuck in bed, basically, and he, you know, and he, he came up rough. He, he was a gang member and got shot by another gang member. And, um, you know, he, he was talking about being in jail versus, you know, being stuck in your bed for, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a good spell of time while he was dealing with, with these pressure sores. And he dealt with them multiple times. And he said, you know, mentally, physically, you can deal with things, right? It's how you deal with it mentally. Um, because this, you know, this thing's hard, man. I mean, and I know you don't, you, you can't relate, but the, you know, other people that are listening that have spinal cord injuries can relate or, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's yeah it, it and that really resonated with me um just yeah like i've you know just dealing with like health issues and then like worrying about covid and things like that but he kind of put a good spin on the covid thing as well is that so yeah he he was able to use that time you know because he'd been really busy building these businesses like his speaking uh his speaking business his you know, he's a uh award-winning barber like he had all these different things going on and and it had had 
from the sounds of it, kind of neglected the time he, or he just didn't have the time to spend with his family and, and his uh, kids and his wife and everything. And so now he was able to, to use that time to not only grow his businesses and kind of rethink how to do things with, with his businesses, but also to re- reconnect with his family, which is, is amazing and super important, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, even the fact that he's going back to school, you know, and people right. are saying, Jorge, why are you going back to school? What do you need to go back and get your education for? Right. And, and I liked it because it gave him the ability for him to, um, he said to expand his horizons. Right. Yeah. No, and, that, and that's important. You can, just from talking to him, you can really hear that education is paramount importance to him. And he fit, you know, I mean, that's the way out for a lot of people um, of, of poverty. You know, he said, he talked about him and his um, siblings kind of breaking the, the pattern of, um, you know, not going to, not going to college, dropping out of school. And um, now all of his, uh, all of his nieces and nephews have all gone on to college and, and his kids will go on to college. And I just thought it, it was just a powerful, a powerful yeah. interview, I thought. It, it, it kind of reminded me of one thing that my dad told me once. He said, if you can read, you can do anything because it's always in a book. Right. And, you know, what his message was to people, if you think you can't do it, go to YouTube. Everybody right. goes to YouTube. Go to Google, yeah. Like, go, go to Google University or YouTube University. Yeah, and start out because you know you are the one that are limiting yourself. Nobody else does, and I think that was a really powerful message. And also the story about him writing this book that he published, right? Um, and that he said that he put it, in, you know, he's educated now, but he put it in the language that people would understand that he grew up with. Right, well, teenagers right? I, specifically, right? Yeah, and I thought that was really important that he's so self-aware of his environment and the people that he wants to help that, uh, you know, it was just really inspiring, this this gentleman, you know? Um, yeah. You know, so, and even the fact that he tells a story of uh, his uh, first home that he bought, you know, he didn't, it was a, a multi a multi-purpose home and he took the top floor because he wanted to challenge himself you know uh, yeah uh, and he said that's really what what sparked um his fitness like journey going to going to uh, uh to the point now where he's able to walk 100 yeah. steps he said he does 100 steps a day and i believe he's doing even more now because uh, I, i've seen a few of his recent instagram posts and and you know he seems to be doing really well and and I suggest everybody, you know, try to go connect with him. He's, he's a, he's one of a kind for sure. Yeah. And, and I really liked his message because it kind of resonated with me, um, you know, not being disabled, but his whole idea of investing in yourself, right? Yeah. Invest in yourself. Um, the story of, you know, these athletes that invest in their bodies, that they put their money in their bodies, you know, you'll spend um, money on junk and junk food and uh, video games, Um but it doesn't change your life any, right? If you want to really change your life and make a difference, invest in yourself, whether it's a workout coach or an expert or something like that, or education, you know, move into those directions. I thought it was a, you know, Jeremy, I'm always impressed with your interviews every time I hear one of them, you know, because I just got on board after near 100. Um, This was a great interview. 
No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, the thing that always has stuck out with me about Jorge is the um, what's your wheelchair message. And, you know, because with me and Jorge, you can see our physical, that we're physically in wheelchairs, but everybody else has has something that's, you know, internally bothering them or, you know, holding them back or whatever the case may be. And actually we're, we're much more free because everybody sees like what's going on with us. And, you know, we're able to kind of live life on a, on a, you know, from a perspective of you already know what our problem is. And like, not that you can't still have like mental and and emotional issues, uh, you know, with this injury, but it's easier for people to understand what, or, you know, to see what we're going through as opposed to, to somebody who's able-bodied and going through it, you know, and especially now in this, with the COVID stuff going on two years now and, and, you know, hopefully we're, we're getting some, some, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's just, it's been so long, man. And yeah, I know like you always hear about people, you know, um, just struggling mentally with, with this. So I'm, I'm glad that he points that out and recognizes that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I've had some, um, you know, some, you know, this COVID thing, you know, this whole dark days, you know, the, especially up here in the Northwest, you know, where the days are short, you can't get out, you know, right now it's cloudy and 32 degrees and foggy this morning, still here in Auburn, you know, it, it gets depressing, right? And you can't do the normal things that you used to do. And when you want to go do it, you find out that somebody may have just got the Omicron uh, virus or somebody in their family got it. So it's very disruptive, but you have to, you know, like he did, he looked inward and said, well, where are my strengths in this condition? And that, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, uh, we're probably not going to do an outro to this one. Just to, we're going to get to Jorge here in a second. Um, appreciate everybody listening and, if you haven't heard this interview yet, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, please, you know, rate, review, listen, share, like, all that good stuff. Uh, we really appreciate everybody uh, doing that. And yeah, like uh, follow along. We'll be back next week uh, with another uh, great interview. Uh, we have a couple guys lined up that are going to be coming on. And, and uh, we had some, like I said, some scheduling conflicts little bit of COVID scares here and there and uh yes just uh we'll, we'll be back and, and backing at it and we appreciate everyone sticking with us yeah be safe out there everybody yep be safe talk to you guys next week all right this week on the live to walk again podcast we are lucky enough to visit with Jorge Sierra who is a published author of a book called Paralyzed to Prosperous He's a student development speaker and coach and also working with uh, some corporations and, and working with people one-on-one uh, -on -one personally, uh, just development and, uh, you know, trying to trying to make you a better human being. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Jorge. How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing amazing. Thank you for having me, man. This is an honor. Great opportunity. I've been watching your work for a while. Uh, and yeah, man, just, just glad to be here, man. Thank you. Thank you for receiving me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was actually brought 
you were brought to my attention from our mutual friend, uh, Art Renowitzki. So I'm glad we were able to uh, finally make this work out. And, and yeah, man, so for anybody who doesn't, you know, I was going to usually at the beginning of these interviews, I ask, you know, how, how were you injured? How, you know, what, what was that story like? But um, I actually, I feel like your story goes so much further back than that, man. I, I, I kind of would like you just to kind of lay out like where you were prior to, to being injured and, and kind of go from there and then and leading up to, to what happened. Yeah, no, nah, definitely. So I'll give some context of, of you know, how I ended up uh, being a paraplegic. Uh, you know, growing up, no father involved, mom not, not, not around as, as, as liked. Uh, got raised by grandma um, at home, you know, dealt with a lot of personal traumas, uh, whether it's uh, drug addiction in the household, education not being celebrated, you know, being in welfare systems, Section 8, right, uh, you know, uh, government assistance all across the board. Um, and, you know, at that point, by the age of 13, 14, uh, you know, education was just not, was not a thing. So my freshman year dropped out, and that was the catalyst of me you know, turning into the streets and, and, you know, involving myself with gang activity, playing with guns, selling drugs, you name it, right? And then that ultimately led me to catching a case which, uh, you know, was a possession of, of crack cocaine, which uh, put me in a situation that I had to go to court on May 2nd of 94. May 2nd of 94, I'm 17 years old. Uh, I'm a minor, so I had to go with my mother. And um, I remember that day like it was tomorrow, like it was yesterday. And, and so that day, particularly, we went in there. We, went, we were supposed to see the, see the judge. As I was sitting there, uh, rival gang members were in the building. And, you know, uh, verbal altercation turned into a physical altercation. We started fighting inside the, the, the courtroom, which ultimately led for myself, my mother, and four other individuals that were on the, you know, rebel, uh, uh, you know, on the other side of the, 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 the track. You know, there were ops is what we called them. Um, and that, you know, they threw us all outside. They dragged us. It was the second floor, uh, police, police department, the first floor, courthouse in the second. And they dragged us from the second floor all the way down to the first floor. And for my, my surprise, I thought we were going to all get arrested, right? You're fighting inside of a courtroom. You, you, you would think that the next thing after that, and I'm saying to myself, I, you know, I got to fight these dudes inside of a jail cell now. Uh, but for my surprise, they, they opened the door and they threw us outside. And that spilled out into front of, in front of the courthouse, the doorsteps of the courthouse. And in a matter of seconds, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I hear my mom screaming, you know, there's a gun, gun. I, I jumped in front of her and, you know, several shots were, were ringed out. I got hit twice. I ultimately said to myself, or, hey, they're going to try to they're kill you. They're going to kill you. And when I, uh, you know, try to pivot to try to run back into the into the room, into the building, I collapsed. Uh, they, they ran up on me and they shot me four more times. And um, and the guy, you know, ran off. So the young man that shot me was 15 years old and I was 17. Um, so literally I, I May 2nd of 94, I got gunned down um, at the age of 17 at 12 o'clock in the afternoon in front of the doorsteps of the Bristol, Connecticut uh, courthouse police department by a 15 year old. And that's how, you know, my, my journey as a paraplegic started um, at the age of 17. So now I'm 44, uh, been 26 years, going on 27 years this year, uh, May, it would be 27 years that I've been uh, in a paraplegic. But that's, that's the context of, you know, how I ended up in the wheelchair. Um, and, and, you know, and here we are. That, I mean, that is the crazy, uh, like that you were gunned down at a, 
at a and didn't you say I, I think I, I heard another interview it wasn't the police department on the first floor of the yes so they just yeah, so, they just shot yeah. you in front of the police like my goodness man that is yeah, yeah police department was in the it's on the first floor uh courthouse is on the second floor and you know uh they knew it was gang affiliated they knew the the problem so for my surprising I'll be honest with you I thought they were going to arrest everybody involved it was me, my mother, and four other individuals, you know, uh, fighting me. Um, and, you know, yeah, man, it, it, it's seconds. Your life changed. And, uh, you know, one minute I'm, I'm standing, the next minute I'm fighting for my life. And, you know, truth be told, uh, the only reason I didn't die that day is because there was an ambulance actually having lunch right, at, right across the street. So they actually were already at the scene. So when it went, when it went, when it, when everything occurred, uh, you know, they were able to just, you know, get out the car, get out the truck and, and attend to me. Wow. Wow. So, you know, how long, um, obviously gunshot wounds, like that's, that's gonna, that's like a whole nother level. What, like, how long were you in the hospital for like rehabilitation, like things like that? Like what, what was like the next few months like for you after, after suffering that injury? It was, it was, it was scary, man. I'm not gonna lie. You know, one minute, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, the, I'm Superman. I'm the man. I'm 17. You know, I'm, I'm selling drugs. So I have money. I had guns on me. You know, I thought I was, my life was just, you know, I, I had in control and, and I thought that, you know, but seconds, uh, it turned into me, you know, feeling like a baby. I had to uh, wear diapers. I had to, now I had to uh, urinate with catheters, right? I have to, like my whole life literally changed in seconds. And so it was about a a year and some change process for me to just learn, relearned how to uh, uh, get back into society um, in the sense of how to manage a wheelchair, how to get in and out of the bathroom, how to get in and out of the, my bed, how to get in and out of a car, how to get off uh, on and off a sidewalk. Uh, they would, you know, through physical therapy, uh, they would put me on the floor and, and mimic me falling so I could learn how to get back on the chair if I was by myself, like, right. Like all these things that as, as someone that walks in this is full body uh, able, we don't, we take it for granted. Right. We wake up in the middle of the night. We just go to the bathroom, have to sleep. We use the bathroom, go right back to bed. Well, you and I most likely can't do that. There's a process to everything we do, everything we do. There's a process. So they ha I had to learn from feeding myself to cooking, to uh, managing how to get dressed, how to, how to, uh, you know, uh, advocate for myself all across so I could have the quality of life that, you know, that we all want. Um, so it was about a year, some change. Uh, I was in the Gaylord, Gaylord Hospital uh, Rehab out in, in, in Connecticut and, you know, wonderful hospital. You know, one of the things I got lucky is that, they, you know, uh, God provided some amazing people through my journey and process of, of you know, transitioning from a, a full body, uh, you know, individual to, to a paraplegic um, and, they were very uh, empathetic. Like they, 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 they knew how to love on me. I was angry. I was frustrated. I, I didn't, I didn't know why, even though I knew why, right? Because I mean, realistically, it's not like this was a disease. This was an accident. I played with fire. I got burned. Realistically, and and I, I would remind myself, and it was just more. I was upset of myself that I was uh, that I allowed myself to get to that point. But there were some great therapists. There was great doctors that loved on the kid. Um, and they told me I would never walk again. They told me I would never move my legs. They told me that uh, my injury was uh, long life. And that was something that I never accepted. I was just, I refused to, to believe that that was going to be my story. 
Yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, man. So, uh, you know, I guess transitioning from, you know, that, that kind of dark, dark space and, and, you know, the injury and, you know, the gun violence, um, you know, what, what motivated, I know I read on your website about, um, I guess your mentor, Dr. Eric Thomas and, and, you know, getting into motivational speaking and, um, you know, what, I guess kind of what inspired that? Like what, where, how'd you find Dr. Eric Thomas? Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a good question, man. I'm a man of faith, right? And, you know, I truly believe that we all have to have some type of source of, of faith. Um, I want to say about four or five years ago, I, you know, I, for those that don't understand someone that is a paraplegic, we have several issues that constantly are part of our life. One of them being this UTI, urine tract infections, right? We self-catheterize. That becomes, the, I, I say that that's going to be the death of me one day because we have so much infections. We, I, I deal with chronic UTI. So ultimately antibiotics don't work because over the time, if you're not careful, your, your, your immune system get used to that. That's one thing. Uh, but then we deal with skin breakdowns. Um, and I had a skin breakdown that I actually, out of 26 years of me being in the witchers, there's been four times out of my career of being in the witcher that I've had major skin breakdown that has caused uh, bone infections. So from sitting down, that breaks down your skin, which ultimately starts creating pockets of fluid, which gets infected, which goes into your bloodstream or goes into your bone. When it goes into your bone and ultimately your, your bloodstreams, that's dangerous. You will, you could, there's a big chance of you losing your life because at this point they have to pump you with so much antibiotics. Then you get sick because they kill all the good bacteria. And it's just a fight all around. That process took about um, every, every time. And within those four times I was in the hospitals in the same bed, uh, eating, sleeping, uh, using the bathroom. When I tell you uh, incarcerated in a jail, in a jail cell, would have been a, a, a vacation for me because you would a, be able to get out of that cell, move around. I was stuck in the same bed for a year and some change at a nursing home. Um, so I'm sitting there. At this point, I'm already a barber. Uh, I have my business. It's been, I've, it's been several years into, this was probably my third rodeo uh, in, in, in dealing with the same type of process. So, but it never gets easy. This is a mental strength that you have to be prepared for. Um, when you, when you end up in there in the beginning, you know, that it's going to take about a year before you get back to your routine and that within itself, it, it breaks the most strongest individual. So I, I think that it was about almost close to a year, me being in this situation that, um, my business was in jeopardy. Uh, my relationship was in jeopardy. I was miserable. I was, I was really in some, I, I want to say depression and I don't easily get depressed. I want to. I want to say that like it's not. I usually have the mindset that hey, listen, it is what it is. We'll deal with it. But these these situations really stretch you to a point that, um, you know, it really it really brings the 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 you, you gotta dig in so deep for you to be able to get through on the other side of this. And I was on the breaking side of it. I'm not gonna lie. And I started listening to YouTube. And for the grace of God, I come and I hear this man, and he's screaming and. And he's talking about don't give up. And, you know, you got, you know, I, I listened to the guru story and he's talking about how bad, you know, he wants to breathe as bad as he, uh, he wants to be successful as bad as he wants to breathe. And that caught me. I was like, okay, you want to be successful as bad as you want to breathe. And I never understood that concept. I never thought about that. And when you're trying to be, when you're trying to make it to the point that it's like not having air in your system, right? Like, like air is one thing that we can't live without. Right. So if you, 
if you put yourself in a situation and you make excuses for yourself and me sitting in that bed, it was making, I was making many excuses. I was feeling sorry for myself. And I realized, I say, yo, like, if you really want to make this happen, you got to take this. Like if it's you breathe, like it's like, are you ready to die? I wasn't ready to die. Obviously that's not never been a thought, but, um, I fell in love with him. I fell in love with his message. I fell in love with his energy. It felt like he was speaking to me. And literally uh, a little bit after that, uh, you know, my, 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 my girlfriend at the time, wife now, um, we were in danger of losing our relationship. And she, the, her last draw to, to, to save us, to, to try to like make me feel better. She said, listen, bro, um, I'm going to, I got $500. She scraped it up. She got, I got $500. I'm going to buy you this ticket. He was actually performing out in Philly. And she's like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to invest into it. I need you to go out there. Like something's got to change. And when you come back, we'll figure out what, 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 what that is. So I long to, sorry, short, uh, she got the ticket. I was able to get her, you know, to get a ticket for her. We went out there and, and I, I, everything changed, man. I got there. I was exposed to what we call the personal development, professional development world. I was uh, blown away. Like-minded individuals, people that were just actually just uh, wanted to uh, get better uh, mentally, physically, uh, spiritually. And it was such an experience for me that from there I got to meet E that translate, translated into a, uh, you know, a relationship. Ultimately, he married my wife and I. Um, he became my pastor. Um, and right now, you know, I'm part of a community that, you know, thrives off of being better, thrives off of not making excuses um, and just making finding solutions. So, yeah, that's that's in a, in a nutshell how I met E and, and how that I was able to make the connection from where I was to where I'm at now. Wow, man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So so after you uh, after you met uh Dr. Eric Thomas, then you like that just motivated you to start doing, uh, you know, speaking to students. And is that is that where it started that you wanted to like be a positive influence on, on the kids in school or or like how did that come about, I guess? Yeah, the crazy part and, you know, great question. Right. But the crazy part, this is why I tell people you got to visualize where you want to be. You got to bring it into existence. So way before. I met E, I was already in the process of how can I talk to people? You see, I've been an educator in the barber industry for 18 years, uh, over 20 years. So I'm a barber by trade. I've been in the wheelchair by tw uh, for 26 years and I learned how to cut hair in a wheelchair. Um, I dominated an industry that consists of uh, people walk standing behind a barber chair. I did it sitting down. They called me G the Barber Wheels. I, I literally was able to uh, find a way to dominate an industry that they laughed at me. They questioned me. They said, you know, how are you going to do that, right? People love to put their doubts and their fears on you. And that's one thing that I just refuse to ever do that. So when I met E, I was already, I was already a point in my life that I had dominated. I was already bored with, with like, okay, what's next, right? The purpose. I was already part of the Massachusetts State Barbering Board. I was a state evaluator. I was an educator. So not only I educated you, I tested you at a state level and then I recommended you. So they would, and then I traveled, I did platform work. I you know, huge companies that were dealing with, with uh, when it came to cos uh, cosmetology and, and, and barbering. But at this point, you know, I found myself in class always speaking to people and groups would come up and I would just speak and, and try to inspire them. Not because I was trying to speak, but I was just, I'm very passionate about life. I know what I had to go through. I know what it takes to get to the next level. And nine out of 10 times, it's not just your skills or your ability to do something, but it's your ability to show up. It's your ability 
to, to create the right habits. Your habits either get you closer or away from your goals. Bottom line, that's at the, at the, at the entry level. And so I would share that with me, uh, with people all around my students and everybody. And so you could see flocks of people come in the room, just kind of stop and silent and people crying. And, and I, I was just like, bro, I, I, I want to do this. I just didn't know what that was. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know that they, I, where I come from, I come from the hood. We don't, I, you know, I wasn't exposed to personal development. That doesn't even, that's not even a word. Public speaking, no. Like I, I used to be 15, I used to tell grown men when I was in a gang how to do things, right? So I've always had the gift to tell people and, and by my words, uh, impact. Uh, so when I met E, I was like, got it. I was like, wow, look at this. This is exactly what I want to do. And so uh, through that transition, he showed me exactly what that looked like. He showed me that he could look a certain way. It showed, he showed me that he could charge $50,000, $60,000 for corporate for an hour to speak and share his story and change people's life. I was like, I've been doing this for about 18, 19 years already. Now let's turn this into a profession. There you go. Um, that, that's very cool, man. Um, I wanted to know, I know you have your walk program, the W-A-L-K, like what, um, can you just like give us like a brief overview of what that is and like how you came up with that? Yeah. So, you know, there's a few things that I believe in, you know, the walk program is just, uh, acronyms. So what's your wheelchair, right? Uh, these are four steps that I, I say that you have to question, ask yourself and do. Uh, for you to be able to walk uh, into your into your into your destiny, um, I I love to tell people that even though I've been physically confined to a wheelchair for the last twenty six years, I actually was uh, I I actually was actually paralyzed way before I got put in a physical chair. What does that mean? Um, you know, the physical chair is one thing, but that paralyzed mindset is another. Um, and so I realized that a lot of us, especially in twenty twenty one. We deal with depression, we deal with comparison, we deal with, you know, we're not good enough. We're dealing with social media and that's always in our face. That's always letting us know that, you know, somebody's supposed to be better than us or we're supposed to move a certain way. And that that really becomes a, a, a paralyzed mindset. It keeps you stuck because now you you don't know who you are and you, you're finding, uh, you know, you're finding to, to get affirmation from someone else. And it's not, it shouldn't be like that. So the first thing that you you have to identify is what's your what's your wheelchair, you know what is what's what's you know like and I'm not talking about a physical thing, what's holding you back? Well, could it be your habits? Is that your physical? Yeah, I I love to tell people don't let your habits become your wheelchair, right? Because if your habits you don't got the proper habits you don't got a routine you're not going to be able to, to uh, perform you're not going to be able to show up you're not going to be able to have uh, consistency, and when you do that and you have those things it'll, it'll allow you to to uh, get to the next level. Um, the, 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 a from the walk is aspire to, to be great. Like you have to have, you have to want to what's next. Like, what, what do you, where do you want to be at? You know, right. I want to be in a position that I could serve the world and I want to bring positivity and I want to be the light wherever I go. Right. I don't chase money. Don't get it. But you know, we got to live, we got to pay bills, but I don't chase money. I chase purpose. Money comes from when you actually serve. Um, so what is, what, 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 what are you inspiring to do? Like, what does that look like? Right. And then, you know, uh, the L, right. It's like, you got to learn. I believe that education is like so key. I think that a lot of us, we think that is something wrong with us, that we 
we don't have the skills or the, the, the know-how. You know, I got people that's like, yo, I just don't know how to deal with the internet. Man, listen, this is thing called YouTube University. This is thing called Google University. You just gotta learn. You just gotta be willing to get uncomfortable, right? Because once you identify what's the problem, you identify what you wanna do, then now you start learning. You start learning what that is. And then ultimately the K is kick your chair, kick that wheelchair, right? Kick that mindset, kick that, that behavior, kick that, you know, uh, that, you know, some folks believe that somebody owes them something. Well, what, I don't know about you, uh, Jeremy, but I, one thing I learned in the wheelchair, nobody owes me anything. Right. Nobody owes me anything. Like I get it. My situation, a lot of people it's like, they, they need me and they're like, I'm sorry in a child. I was like, don't say you're sorry. I'm good. I'm living a good life. Yeah. Trust me, I don't sell my time for money. If we actually sit down and put our, our, our problems on paper, you might, I, yeah, I don't want your problems. Right. I promise you, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's just four steps that I use to uh, help individuals to just really start activating and use it as a catalyst to get into that prosperous mindset. Yeah, I, you know, I love the, I just love the, that, how, yeah, it's like how the, everybody, you can be paralyzed even if you're not physically, you know, disabled, like you can be, you know, it's, it's everybody has a, has a wheelchair. I really like that, uh, that, that saying, you know, like that's, uh, that's very cool that you came up with that, man. Uh, hey, look, it, it, people, you know, we, we're so, visual that we think that there's something wrong because i see you in a wheelchair they see me in a wheelchair and it's like bro we actually here doing what we do what are you doing right <laughs> i hear you man i hear you um and then you know I, I wanted to also ask you um about legacy i know i heard you talk on another uh podcast or interview um about legacy and, and like what that means to you um you know we talk just tell us a little bit about about that and how that kind of goes. Yeah, legacy means, life. yeah, legacy means a lot to me um, because as I said earlier, you know, I didn't get raised with a father. I don't know who my grandfathers are, right? And the only reason I don't know who these guys are and these these great, great grandfathers because they never left us nothing, right? And so when you say legacy, you think you think it's, it's uh, you know, something physical, money, right? And And I'm just talking about you know, where I, where I really see it is, is information. It's creating a, a value of who you are, self, self, self-value, self-character, right? Passing it down to my son. I got a 14-year-old son. I got a 26-year-old daughter, right? My daughter is just as old as I've been in the chair. May 2nd of 94, I got put in the chair. December 14 of 94, she was born. Wow. So my daughter's never seen me walk. It, she, oh, she's known me, me being in the chair. But one thing that, that I, I was, I've been able to do is break, break the chains, right? I told you in the beginning of this podcast is that education was not celebrated in my household. We come from welfare recipients. We are Section 8, uh, huge on government uh, assistant. Um, and, I, you know, looking back, it's not, I, I don't have a problem with government assistance. I just want to be clear because if you need it, that's what's there for. But there's a time where you have to say, okay, is this a crutch? Is this something that's going to paralyze me? Am I only using it because I need to get through from A to B to transition to C? Or am I going to make this a career? Am I going to make this it? And a lot of us, I promise you, like, you know, like my family at one point, that's what they did. They, they, they were just not willing to go and find the answers. 
And it was just easy to receive that check. And I just refused to do that. I refused to have my kids look like that. Like I said, not because there's anything wrong with it. It's there for, for help. You need it. You step into it. But don't let it become your life. Don't let it become your, your, your norm. And so ultimately, you know, uh, we were able to break out of that system. Um, you know, education was not a thing, but we just published a book May 2nd of uh, 2020 and became a published author, Breaking Chains, right? Legacy, right? My kids don't know anything else. See, I was a ninth grade dropout. My daughter finished high school. She went to college, right? My nephews, there's no dropouts. Me and my sisters, we broke that, those chains because we were able to give them a measurement of what it looks like. Us coming up, we didn't know what that looked like. So we had to go through some bumps and bruises. And for the grace of God, we were able to find our routine and, and, and fix those things so the next generation didn't get caught up in the, in the foolishness. As of right now, um, you know, I'm on, on my, my second year of chasing a degree in college. Nice. Why, Jorge? Why chase a degree? And this is a conversation people have actually had with me. Why are you going back to school? You don't need it. You're very successful in the barber industry. You're very successful in the speaking industry. Well, number one is because even though school is hard for me, I don't like the structure of school. I don't like doing homework, but I love options. Yeah. I love options. And so I believe that education is valuable. I believe that that allows you to position yourself to create what we call legacy. And you pass down these, these, these uh, values, these, these uh, uh, you know, uh, principles that you would stand by that, you know, once you have those, you could create a foundation and you could build any house on that, on that foundation because it's solid. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. I love it. And you, you mentioned the book again. I meant to ask you about that a few minutes ago. So you said that just came out. Uh, when, when was the, the book? Released? That was May 2nd of 2020. So I did it on my 25th anniversary of being wow. in a witch. And so is was, it just a, is it just a, an autobiography then, or, or is it, is it implementing some of the, the tools that you use? What, what exactly is the book uh, all about? So, yeah. So it's a mix of both, right? I share some stories of how I got put in the chair mm -hmm. and then I'll put some principles into it. It's a short read. It's for students. I, it was intentionally to not be crazy. I, I, I wrote it how I speak so kids could actually understand um, you know, because what I really, my intentions to it is not to make it complex so they could actually receive what the message is. And, it, and again, it's like, don't let, don't let your situation define who you are. It don't, it don't matter what there is. It's, there isn't, there's a choice. We all have choices. Uh, Jeremy, you, you, you're born to be great King. I, right before we got on, I told you, I said, bro, like I, I look up to you. I'm inspired by you. The fact that you're doing what you're doing. You're finding your purpose. You're, you're creating a platform for not only yourself, but for us. That's beautiful, man. I respect that to the fullest. Um, but again, we have to make that choice. Was it easy for you? Was it doubtful for you? Was it, ah, should I do this? Should I do that? Like, I'm sure you went through all those emotions. I'm sure that, you know, even though people was encouraging you, you was like, oh my God, I don't want to look a certain way. I don't want to do this. I'm, like, yo, it's easy. Our brain is wired not to make us successful, but it's wired to make us safe. And because it's wired to make us safe, it's going to try to talk us out of so many things. So, yeah, man, it's, it's one of those things that the book is meant for, uh, for, for allowing individuals to go from that paralyzed mindset to that prosperous mindset, but at a, at a teenage level. Uh, that's very cool, man. That's very cool. I appreciate the kind words. I feel the same way about what you, what you're doing, man. This is a, uh, this is a great program. And, and yeah, I hope, uh, 
I hope it uh, continues on and you got, you're doing such a great job, man, for real. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Jorge, I did want to um, also ask you about, I know I've seen a couple videos of you uh, up, you know, taking steps with a walker and um, you know, how, like, what, what's, what's it all about? You mentioned earlier that the doctors told you you'd never walk again, which is the famous thing they tell most of us <laughs> in this situation. And uh, it's, the, yeah. it's the hardest thing to, to not believe and, 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 you know, just trust, trust that, uh, you know, you're going to be able to do it again. But yeah. Talk about being able to get up and, and walk around a little bit. Yeah. I've, I've always been stubborn, bro. I, I have a stubborn spirit and sometimes it's good. And sometimes it's bad. As I get older, it becomes a better thing. Right. Cause I'm not in, I'm not in situations that are, that are creating some foolishness that, uh, is putting me in, in, in like the day of the courtroom, right? Like, why am I fighting? Why did that? Could I, could I have walked away from that? Could I have made the, yes, I could have done so much different things, but that same energy, that same, that same, uh, stubbornness is what got me to where I'm at right now. They told me I can't walk. They told me I won't walk. They told me like, bro, like, listen, the way the bullet hit you, like, that's it. And I'm like, nah, it's not happening. And, you know, literally a little bit after I got out the hospital, truth be told, I grabbed a friend's car and I was, I had him put parking in an empty parking lot. And we started kind of like putting my foot on the gas. And you think I'm crazy. He's crazier enough to allow me to even do that foolishness. Looking back, I'm like, bro, you see the influence I had? Like, right. like how would I convince somebody from a paraplegic that can't really move? And I'm here having this, this young brother, you know, but that's how it started. It started with me positioning myself in situations that I'm like, let's try this. I remember about 18, uh, 16 years ago. Uh, yeah, about 16 years ago, 15 years ago, I bought a house. And it was a two family. You would think that I would actually move to the first floor. I moved to the second floor <laughs> and everybody's like, yo, what are you doing? How are you going to get up there? Like people got to, I was like, we're going to figure this out. It started me. I'm not going to lie to you. It started me step-by-step step on my butt. Then it ultimately turned into me actually pivoting. Then it turned into me standing. Then it turned into me taking steps. So that was the catalyst wow. of me figuring out, you know, and then, you know, implementing the gym all the time. Right. And so my biggest thing is that I had to figure I had to really understand that, like, if they told me I wouldn't be able to do this, it's like, I got to see this for myself. Like, I'm not going to just take your word for it and sit there and not and lose whatever little bit. You got to understand as a paraplegic, the first three years of your incident or accident, those when you that's when you mostly get in, as much back. But I didn't start doing any, any of that right away. Like I did the car thing, but I wasn't really uh, uh, engaged like I should have. Mm -hmm. So my, my, my movement came years after, but that mindset of what I just explained and being able to put myself in a position that I was going to, uh, you know, uh, test, you know, how much can I really do certain things and, and posi put, put positioning myself in areas that it's like, I didn't have no choice, but to do what I needed to do that allowed me to right now, just recently, I don't know if you got to see a clip of, of me, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing two plates you know, leg press, two plates on each side, yeah, man. right? Two plates. <laughs> I'm walking, I'm taking steps. I'm taking at least hundred steps. Yeah. Given I got crutches. Yeah. Given I got braces, but they told me I won't walk. You see, I, I don't, we, we, yeah. So I might not be walking like how everybody else is walking, but guess what? We walking. 
Yeah, that, that's amazing, bro. That is amazing. And that's one of the, you know, the Live to Walk Again Foundation. That's one of our one of our uh, sayings is, you know, all things are possible. So you can't give up, man. That's that. I love it. That's that's like the my favorite type of story right there. Um, but yeah, you know, Jorge, how has, uh, you know, kind of transitioning to um, where we're at right now, like as a country, like dealing with the, you know, as a, as a, the whole world dealing with this pandemic, um, how has this affected you? And, and, you know, what, I guess, what can you offer to, to, you know, people that are like dealing with, you know, depression or, or, uh, you know, whatever loneliness, whatever it may be from the effects of this uh, COVID situation. Yeah. That's, that's real good. I'm glad you touched on that because it's, it's, it's a, it's a problem um, across the country and across the world, right? It's not just our country. The world is, the the whole world is actually uh, dealing with this. Um, But I'll be honest with you, uh, my brother, um, the pandemic was a blessing for me. And first of all, before I start getting into this, this, you know, this explaining what I mean, I want to, I want to really respectfully, you know, my condolences to anybody that lost their family members, that lost uh, loved ones, that lost friends. Like, like I want to, I, I don't want to be sensitive to that because it's, 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 we, we have lost a lot of people and it's real. Um, I do believe that the, you know, COVID is real. Um, I have a barber. I got a barbershop in a bar. One of my barbers lost his his grandmother, his grandfather, and his mother within five days to COVID. And his mom was like in her 40s. So it's, re- it's, it's real, right? So I want to, first of all, my, condol- my condolences to family members, loved ones, if you are in this situation, you lost one. Put aside that, that sad, uh, those sad situations that is on, on, you know, unforgettable. But, you know, one thing that I truly believe I'm a man of faith. So I believe everything happens for a reason. And you always got to find the good in every situation. That's how I was able to get from where I was from, from banging sets, right. From banging sets to cashing checks. That's why, that's why I'm, I'm where I'm at right now. I went from carrying guns. Now I carry programs, right? Like, like I, because I always tried to find the best in any situation. I don't care how bad that is. So first of all, the pandemic itself was a blessing for my family and overall for my finances, for my brain, for my spiritual, why? Because I was able to get closer to my family. We spent months here getting to know each other. I spent enough time through this whole process to get closer to God. I spent enough time to think of ways to reinvent my companies, right? So it allowed the world to stop and instead of sitting here and be like feeling sorry for myself, I said, well, Jorge, what can we do? Let's, let's, we might as well, there's no, comp- there's, nobody's competing. The whole world shut down. Now at this point, it don't matter how much money they have. They're literally look, looking for toilet, uh, paper toilet, right? Uh, just the same way that I am. We went yeah. through that whole craziness. And it didn't matter how much money you had, people were going through the same problem. So I was like, got it. This is a time for me to catch up to a lot of people. And so I took that opportunity to really start working on myself in all aspects uh, you know, faith, family, fitness, uh, um, and, and finances, right? Like I, I, I took those four pillars and it was, it was real for me to, now, was it easy? It wasn't. I had to really shift my, my mindset. And, you know, my mom just, you know, she's dealing, she, she's dealing with COVID right now. So she's sick. So, you know, and so, you know, I felt bad for her. I can't get to her. She lives a, a, an hour and some change away from me. But I'm a person that finds solutions. So I'm like, I'm like, yo, mom, how can I help you? 
She's like, I don't know. I just need some things. Well, <laughs> we, we called, we, we, we did the, the, the food on carts, right? With the, the app that, that brings them food. I've been sending her food. They dropping it at her door. Like there's always a solution. So my thing is that whatever you're going through, through this whole COVID, it's a perfect time to reinvent yourself, to find yourself and to really understand who you are. Some, some of us just got to find who we are. We, yeah. you know, 2021 is one of those things that, you know, it's, there's so much information out there that you're letting the world actually program you. And one of the things that I tell people is like, stop letting the world programming you to becoming what it needs you to be. This is the year for you to start programming the world to fit you. That, that's, Bottom line. Uh, that's amazing, bro. That, that's a, such a great saying. I love it. Um, you know, me and you, man, we're both, we've been, we've been at this a long time. I'm, I got injured in 98. I know you got injured in 94. Um, so we're, we're pretty much, you know, OGs at this thing right now. But, uh, you know, I always ask anybody, you know, kind of in conclusion here, I know I've taken up a, a bit of your, your Saturday. Um, but I wanted to know, you know, I always try to ask anybody like, any health tips or workout tips or anything like that you can offer to other people in this situation that you've maybe found over the years that, that isn't like a mainstream type of thing? Um, you know, uh, my thing is simple. Uh, what's helped me, uh, someone that deals with chronic, chronic UTIs, skin breakdowns, right? Like this has been my, it's been my challenge over the years. Uh, first of all, the chronicle UTIs, it's, 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 it's one of those things that it's just not, it's out of my control because the catheter is going inside my bladder. I'm putting a foreign object inside my, 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 my private. And it's, and of course, that's going to cause some chances. But what I was not, what, what, what I needed to do, and I realized that I needed to do is that I needed to eat better. Sugar, sugar is my enemy. Sugar will create infections. Sugar is no good. Sugar is like you actually you might as well take crack and cocaine and all that because it's just as bad. It's addicting. Um, it's it, it it eats you up. And because I'm uh, as a paraplegic, we're sitting there. We don't sweat as as much as someone that was actually walking. So we have to be very careful with how we consume food, sugar, all that. So my simple remedy is that I drink a gallon of water every day. Um, I, I weigh my food. Um, I have a, I, after this, we're going to get, we, we're going to go to a restaurant and have a cheat meal. So I treat myself, but that's all it is. We're not eating multiple uh, uh, ways of, you know, different, you know, back to back because I can't afford as, as a paraplegic to sit there and gain the weight because then it makes it more challenging. And I see, it's not even a, a, a I want to look a certain way. It's more of a, of a quality of health. I can't move and become independent if I'm literally overweight. And I've been there. I've, I've been almost 300 pounds in the wheelchair. That's being paraplegic. That you think about paralyzed, put yourself in a situation that you can't move, and then you put some weight on top of that. That's a problem. And then you put a situation that because you, the way you're eating, you have high blood pressure. That turns into uh, uh, diabetes. That turns into depression. That turns into you can't move. Now you feel sorry for yourself. Now you've literally paralyzed. Yeah. Not only physically but mentally. So I know better. So my thing is this: whatever it is for you, I don't call it a diet. I just have better choices of eating. I don't believe in diets. Diets are meant to break. I just create a lifestyle. So I eat better. I weigh my food. Um, but if I had to really give you that one nugget, it's this. Invest into yourself. Invest into a coach. Somebody that knows how to do nutrition. Somebody that knows how to do physical uh, workout. I have coaches in all aspects. I believe in personal development. I, like 
A lot of us, you would spend hundreds of dollars on a trip, hundreds of dollars on playing video games, hundreds of dollars on, on, on food that it's no good for you. But when it comes down to you, you know, let, let me leave it like this. LeBron James, I believe he pays, he, he pays about a million dollars a year into his body. Yeah. He invests a million plus into himself physically. And, and he just won a championship after 20 years. Like he's, the man looks like he's younger than ever. Why? Because you got to treat your body at a certain way. You've got to find those people that are professionals. You lead, And if you say, Jorge, I don't got that time. I don't, I don't got the money. Well, there's this thing called YouTube. All you got to do is Google something, YouTube something. They will walk you through it. They will give you the foundation, the, the one, two, three steps to get started. And ultimately, when you're able and willing to uh, find somebody to kind of train you and walk you through that process, I highly recommend the investment because you are the product. You're the one that, that is, are able going to pay the bills. You're the one that's going to be uh, here longevity for your, your wife, your husband, your family. Like you have to find ways for you to make yourself uh, uh, healthier, stronger, not only mentally, physically, but also spiritually. So I hope that helps. Oh, I love it, bro. I love it. I was going to say also, man, Tom, you're, you're in Massachusetts. Tom Brady, man, he, you guys oh. know him well. It's the GOAT, man. He's out there. He just, what, he's in Tampa. years old. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I mean, I can't believe he switched teams and still going to the Super Bowl. That's crazy out here. But yeah, it just shows you, the, you know, you put that, put that energy into your body. You can uh, do anything. Yes, yes. So. You are, you are, you, and I'm going to leave you with this, right? If anybody that's ever traveled on a plane, the first thing they tell you when they're taking off, what is it? They tell you, please, if the train, if the plane is going down, make sure that you put oxygen on yourself first before you put it on anybody else. Why? If in the process you got your daughter, your son, that your instinct would be to put oxygen on them first, your wife, somebody that you love, you could actually pass out from the plane falling. And if you pass out, guess what? They're not going to get the oxygen and you're not going to get the oxygen. So everybody's gone. So what I say, the reason I say this is that right now you need to put oxygen on yourself first. So then you can take care of everyone else around you, right? Take care of you first, make sure you're good, you're healthy, mentally, physically. And then you can put that oxygen on your baby girl, your baby boy, your wife, your husband. Uh, ultimately, there's a reason why they tell you that because you can't help others if you're not good. That's just what it comes down to. Uh, that's that's a beautiful way to end this uh, end this interview. Jorge Sierra, I appreciate you, brother. Uh, we'll definitely keep in touch, man, and uh, we'll have to do it again down the road. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. God bless.